Shut up and sit down. Hey guys, welcome to episode three of the HW Prospects Show. I'm Jim, joined by co-host Dan Silver and Manny Benavidez. Guys, what's going on? How are you? Everything's good, man. It's uh, you know making Trump making do day at a time. Still hoping that maybe you know we'll get hockey sooner rather than later, but just uh, you know taking it a day at a time. So, how are you guys doing? Doing good, guys. Uh, you know, same old uh, up in here in Canada since the last time we spoke. But you know what? We got our health and uh, we got our pod and we got our prospects <laughs> that we could talk about. So that's really what all that matters right now. Yeah, I mean, Drew Doughty came out uh, today and was interviewed and he said that, yeah, there he really doesn't believe there's going to be a season. And uh, as much as I hate to say it, I, I honestly agree with him. And I actually thought this way well over a month ago. I think they're just hanging on and hanging on. And unless something drastically changes, I don't know, we might be uh, in for a lost season. I hate to say that, but. And it has to be when the Flyers are going to win the Stanley Cup, right? Of course, always. Yeah, so they were on quite a run, as everybody knows by now. So that has us talking prospects. And there's a couple guys uh, on the list here tonight that should uh, – Boost your spirits a little bit out there because uh, we talked last time uh, about the Flyers' offensive prospects, and I can't say for everybody else, but my blood got pumping. I was excited, and looking at the some of the names on this list, you know, it has the same effect. You know, some of the, there's some guys as far like at the bottom of this list that even get me excited. One of them is actually one of my favorite prospects, who we'll touch on. Uh, but but let's start first of all with. Wyatt Kalanuck, and I'll hand that one over to Dan first. So, yeah, I mean, Wyatt Kalanuck is a guy that I had him 17th on my list, and that's honestly probably lower than a lot of other people have him. I know that a, a lot of fans are very excited about him, and, uh, you know, I, I too, am, am excited about Kalanuck. The, he's basically he's a uh, pretty good offensive defenseman. He's been playing at the University of Wisconsin, uh, on a, they had a, a really talented team this year, at least in terms of, of top-line players with guys like uh, Cole Caulfield, I believe Alex Turcotte, who was one of the top picks in the draft, uh, Keandre Miller, another really good defenseman. And the, the interesting thing about Kalanuk that you have to discuss when you're talking about him is that he was drafted as an overage. So he was drafted in 2017, uh, but I believe that he was a... Uh, 20 year old at the time and so he was two years older than most players that are drafted so what does that mean it means that basically for a couple seasons he was eligible for the draft but none of the teams wanted him in in any of the first seven rounds uh the flyers you know saw something in him and they said hey you know what even though he's an older player we want to take a chance on him and he's been really good at the university of wisconsin i mean his freshman year he put up 25 points in 37 games but again you kind of have to take that into consideration that, um, you know, we're talking about a guy who is a 20-year-old freshman in college. So this year, he was a 22-year-old 
um, 23-year-old, actually, uh, junior. And, again, he put up really good numbers. I mean, he put up 28 points in 36 games. He's a very good skater. He's an elite skater. One of the things, if you search for highlights of him, is you'll get a lot of videos of him going end-to-end. He scored some really nice end-to-end goals during his career. But there's a lot of question marks with him. One being his age. You're talking about a guy who's, who's 23 years old. I think he turns 24 tomorrow. Uh, or elite prospects is wrong. It's got his birthday. It's April 14th. So birthday coming up for, uh, for Wyatt Callum. Like, yeah, he turns 24 tomorrow. So huh. we're talking about a guy who's, who's pretty old at this point yeah. uh, compared to other prospects. So I just, I'm always a little bit suspect. And also his, he's, his game is in, in his own zone, has got a long ways to come. And he's a guy who his his passing is okay, but it's it's not as dynamic as his skating or his shot. So for for a player who's kind of as as raw as he is, and he's 24 years old already, I just I temper my expectations. But he's an exciting guy to watch. Yeah, and Manny, your thoughts on Wyatt Kalina? Um, you know, I haven't really watched too much of him in game action, uh, other than, you know, little highlight clips here and there. Um, the thing that jumps out, uh, that everyone raves about is his skating ability. Uh, he's, he's got some good pace to his, uh, to his skating. Um, he could definitely go end to end as Dan said. Um, he's an all right passer. Um, he's definitely good at quarterbacking uh, a power play. You know, he's the type of guy who can, you know, really set up in the offensive zone and, you know, sort of see what the plays that are available to him, uh, you know, to t- try to generate some shots and some scoring chances. But everything uh, else that Dan said about, you know, being in his own end is something that I've heard as well. And things like decision making uh, in his own end, coughing the puck up a little bit, uh, losing a man, those those kinds of things are really important to me when I look at a defenseman. And I mean, I love the, the skating ability. I love the you know power play ability. I love his offensive game. Unfortunately, uh, he does need to work on uh, the defensive side of the puck a little bit more um, for him to be in the, in what I would consider the t- you know top tier uh, prospect in the Flyer system. And uh, there's definitely guys ahead of him on in our system, which is a good thing. Um, he is going to go back. It looks like. I mean, I don't think he's committed one way or another. Uh, I think uh, Chuck Fletcher basically said that uh, he was waiting to hear what Wyatt wanted to do. Um, I would guess that he would go back to Wisconsin for his uh, senior year, mm-hmm. for his fourth uh, and final year, and then uh, go from there. Although, again, as we spoke about uh, a couple weeks ago uh, when we discussed the forwards, I don't understand the mentality of, you know, if you're really uh, a good player and, and you really believe in your game and, and you don't think that there's that much that you need to work on, sign the, sign the ELC. But I don't know, that's just me. Um, I know that Dan and I kind of were on the same page. There was a, an article that came out where some, I don't know if it's NBC or something. I didn't even pay attention to who wrote it. But they basically said that, you know, Wyatt Kalanuck is an elite level defenseman. And I was like, ooh. Throwing around the word elite a little loosely there for my taste. <laughs> um, you know, he's he's not an elite level defenseman. I, I think parts of his game are definitely very good on the offensive side. But when I'm looking at, you know, an elite defenseman, I, I'm looking at guys that can do it on both sides of the puck, both in all three zones. Um, he's definitely not elite uh, in every sense of the word. I think that word gets used a little bit too much um, when we talk about prospects. This guy... Why he's he's going back to school for another year? It looks like he's going to be 24 
tomorrow, he's going to be a 25-year-old rookie? I don't know. I would like to see him come in and, and do good things with the fan. Like, he's going to have to be with the Phantoms for at least a year. I'm not sure if I, if, if I see a path, at least not with the Flyers, for Wyatt Kalanuck. It's a very interesting points by you guys there. Uh, well, forget the fact that he's 25 and would be going to the uh, AHL. He's 25, going back to college. What is this, old school starring Will Ferrell? <laughs> yeah. Seriously, man. Like uh, that's, that's crazy. He's going to be 24. I get, what the hell happened? Don't you usually start, you start college when you're 18, 17, 18, 19, don't you? 23, so, 25. So some, some of the tweener hockey players um, will go to the USHL, which basically gives them a couple additional years that they can then go to the NCAA. So that's basically what he did. It's a guy like we'll talk about, we talked about Noah Cates last week and the, and the forwards. And he, he was a guy who did one year, um, I believe one year in the USHL. And then he went to the NCAA. So he's like one year older than, than mm. other players that are his same year in college. But, you know, Kalanuk kind of took it to an, an additional level there. So, you know, you see it, you see it from guys sometimes. But um, but yeah, I mean, twenty, right? He's he's as old as uh, some of the guys who people consider to be veterans on the. On the he's, he's not that, he's not that much younger than Scott Lawton, who feels like he's been around in the NHL forever. Or so yeah. You're my boy, Blue. <laughs> uh, okay, speaking of uh, your boy, I'm gonna bring up a guy that. I personally like and another Wyatt Wyatt Wiley one maybe it doesn't get much more hockey name than that Wyatt Wiley uh Manny I know I know you're a, a fan of Wyatt why don't I start with you here yeah so uh you know Wiley plays in the Western Hockey League uh with the Everett Silver Tips uh, a good team uh they were basically back and forth with uh, Portland Winterhawks for first place in the division. And it was actually turning out to be a hell of a race going down the stretch. Uh, I know Everett was in first for a while, and then Portland was kind of hanging around three, four points back, and then they overtook them. And uh, it was just back and forth, and it was a hell of a race. But uh, we're obviously not going to get to see that. But uh, Wyatt Wiley is a uh, fifth-round pick from 2018. And uh, just to give uh, an idea, I mean, 14 goals, 50 assists, so 64 points in 62 games. So he was just over a point per game player um, in the WHL, which is nothing to sneeze at. He finished second in the league in points. Um, So, I mean... He does. Uh, he was a little bit overshadowed in the goal scoring department by uh, Jake Christensen, who was uh, his defense partner, especially on the power play um, down the stretch. Uh, he's a Columbus Blue Jackets prospect. Um, I think he had something like 20 or 21 goals. Uh, so he had a really great year playing with Wiley. Um, a lot of those points do come on the power play with Wiley. Um, but that being said, um, He's a guy that I'm excited to see what I'm glad they signed him uh, and I'm eager to see what he's going to do. I don't know what Chuck's idea is going to be, if he's going to go to the ECHL first for a little bit or if they're just going to pop him right into the the Phantoms and and see what he does. But you know what? He's an assistant captain. He's got leadership abilities. Um, What I like about him is that he's got a good all-around game. He's he's not going to you know dazzle you with um, anything, but he's you know above average in everything. 
Like he doesn't have any glaring deficiencies in his game and he could play it all. He could do all the power play, even strength. He could go up and down the, the defense lineup shorthanded. He plays all situations. He ate up a lot of minutes for the Everett Silvertips. The thing that I worry about with Wiley, and I think it's going to be an adjustment for him when he gets into the the pro ranks. I mean, he's six foot, 190 pounds. Um, he might get a little bit thrown around against bigger and older and more more uh, savvy competition. But part of the thing that I worry about is Faria. I just listed his strength is that he doesn't have a glaring weakness. He does everything you know kind of well. At the same time, that is kind of a weakness as well. He doesn't overpower you, you know, with his shot. He doesn't overpower you with, you know, his work in the defensive end. But he is good all around. And I think that that's the kind of guy that I that the Flyers could use. I mean, they've got uh, other guys in the system already like that. But uh, I don't think you can have too many of those guys, especially if he's going to be starting with the Phantoms. Um, he might start near the bottom of the, you know, six-man rotation and just work his way up. Maybe he goes to the middle six at some point in the season for the phantoms and uh you know i'm eager to see what he's gonna do i really have high hopes for him um i really want him to do well he, he really had a good year this year and it seems he's in i mean you guys watch these guys a lot closer than i do uh, but if i'm looking just at stats here he's improved pretty drastically stats wise every single season going from 10 points in uh 16 17 31 points in 17-18, 47 points in 18-19, and then the 64 and 62 this year. Every year he's taken a pretty solid leap in, in production. Dan, your thoughts on Wyatt Wiley? Yeah, you know, Manny, I think, has probably watched him more than I have. I honestly haven't seen Wiley play a whole lot. He's one of those guys who, right, it, it kind of goes to what Manny was talking about. I mean, he was drafted in the fifth round. He's He's not really flashy at all from what i've seen he plays a good all-around game and i had never really had him in my top 20 prospects for the flyers and then when you looked at the numbers he put up this year you know 64 points that made him that ranks him third uh i believe among all under 21 year old defensemen in whl maybe second and you're looking at he's ahead of a guy like bowen byram who was a top five pick he's ahead of a guy like kaylin addison who was a second round pick um for the Penguins, he's ahead of a guy like Ty Smith, who is a first-round pick, I believe, for the Islanders or the Devils. And uh, and so that grabs your attention, right? So you see that, and it's like, okay, I've, I've got to I've got to fit him on this list. The the question marks though are that you know he's he's playing with it sounds like Jake Christensen, who by the way he scored 22 goals in 38 games as a defenseman. Wow. That's that's pretty damn impressive. So. If he's playing with a defense partner like that, obviously it's helping out Wiley a lot. You know, he, he's getting more opportunities, more space out there, playing with a really talented defense partner. And so yeah. Wiley's the kind of guy who, pro, who, who potentially projects as a, a third-pairing NHL guy. The thing that is really going to help him is that he's a right-handed shot. Because you look around the league and you see that most of the defensemen probably, I don't know what the number is, 65% are left-handed shots. The Flyers have the same situation. I mean, one of the reasons that they went out and got Matt Niskanen and Justin Braun is that they're both right-handed defensemen. So you could go lefty-righty on every single one of the pairings, right? Well, you know, Niskanen and Braun are only going to be around for so much longer. And looking at the Flyers' pipeline, all of their top defense prospects are lefties. Zamula and York, who we're going to get to later on, they're both lefties. 
So then you add that to Provorov, who's a lefty, Sanheim, who's a lefty. And you're looking at a situation where Phil Myers is really like the only kind of, you know, borderline top pairing, top two pairing right-handed defenseman that the Flyers have got coming up through the pipeline. And that's where you say, hey, Wyatt Wiley could really fit in given, you know, a chance there. If he can prove to be a solid all-around defenseman in the NHL, just the fact that he's a righty is going to give him a little bit of more of an opportunity to ultimately play on this team. But, you know, I, I, like I said, I haven't watched him play uh, all that much. So I don't want to, you know, make any specific predictions about where he's going to end up. But just based on his numbers and the fact that he's a right-handed defenseman, and I do know that he does play a good all-around game, he's a solid NHL prospect. Yeah, a guy that uh, I would like to see make the team just because of his name. You mentioned he's a right-handed shot. It seems like he's got a little bit of offensive skill in his game. Uh, Manny, you mentioned he, he may be on the smaller size a bit. Uh, you know, well, he's, he's six foot. Okay, twenty years old. He's got some time to to grow a little bit. You know, I, I'm hoping that he does play with the Phantoms next year. I think if he is on the Phantoms, that should tell you a lot about what the what Fletcher's plans will be with him. I think. Yeah, I I think if he goes to the to the Royals, he'd probably be thrust into a top four right away, mm-hmm. um, maybe even higher, depending on uh, who they have and who they bring back. But um, when we talked about the forwards to you know about two weeks ago, it was like you know there's a few spots available, and then depending on you know who comes back in the fourth line and you know what they do with the third line spot and you know health with Nolan Patrick and all the there's still a lot of moving pieces and and there's still some guys that could get an opportunity, not very many, but there's still a spot or two there. I think the defense is pretty well set uh, depending on what they do um i think hag has had uh, just fine of a season and i think uh i think they should bring him back if they can uh i don't see what the what the harm would be you got to reward guys when they play well if you do bring them back i think it's a no-brainer you got to bring back justin braun because they were a good pair together and if you do that there really is no spot available at the NHL level. Um, even if you do trade a Shane Goss to spare um, there. And then that leaves, you know, all these prospects and other, other players in the, in the minor system that in case of injury, they're going to come up and fill in, or there'll be a number seven defenseman. And I kind of like that. I, I, I know that we spoke, uh, I don't want to talk about it until we talk about uh, Cam York, but. Uh, we'll revisit that Cam York draft in a little bit and, and revisit the strategy and the Caulfield versus York thing uh, in a bit. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, real real quick, I would just say, unless you're a goaltender, I think that if you're starting in the ECHL, it's a pretty bad sign for your NHL potential. So I yeah. would say that it's, I, I think that Wyatt Wiley will start with the Phantoms next year. And if he doesn't, I think it's probably an issue, although maybe we'll see that Fletcher handles defensemen differently than Hextall did. But I can't remember a NHL upside defenseman that Hextall started out in the ECHL. But we'll okay. see there. But I do completely agree with Manny that I, the Flyers, let's say that they, they cancel the rest of the season. I think they're going to do everything they can to bring back basically the exact same lineup that they have right now and try and recapture what they've got. I'm pretty sure. Justin Braun will come back, sign hopefully a one-year deal. You know, if there's other teams that are going after him, maybe that impacts that. But I think they want to bring him back. I think that they probably will want to sign Hague. I mean, he's a restricted free agent, so I, I think they'll want to bring him back. And then 
a guy like Shane Goss's bear. We'll see what happens with him. I think they might try and trade him, but let's see what happens with, I mean, this is a whole new situation now with what's going on. I, who knows what's going to happen with trades if, if teams are going to be making them or not. And then, you know, we'll get to a guy in a little bit in, in Mark Friedman, but he's a guy who could be on the outside looking out and he's much more NHL ready than a guy like Wyatt Wiley. So I think, yeah. you know, thinking about Wiley making, the team is probably a little bit far-fetched, but I, I think he'll absolutely be on the Phantoms is what I would guess. You guys both said the same thing about bringing Justin Braun back, and I, I've seen a lot of people say they don't think he'll be back or or they don't want him back unless it's for way less than he's making now. And I'm like, who the hell – and this is just my opinion here, and I, I want to hear what you guys think. If you're Justin Braun, like – First of all, I think he's underappreciated a little bit, right? Because he doesn't do the flashy things. He does the necessary things. I I can't see him coming back for, say, a million dollars less than he... He made $3.8 million last year. And I'm seeing guys say, oh, the only way I bring him back is if he gets like a one-year $2 million, $2.5 million deal. I'm like, what? What professional player in any sport... I mean, he's only 32 years old, 33 years old, I think is going to take a $1.35 million pay cut. And you had a decent year, you know? So here's what I would guess with Braun is, and again, maybe this is me being naive, and you know, maybe there'll be more teams going after him. But my prediction that he's going to sign a one-year deal for $3 million, now that's you know a little bit less than what he's making this year, I think they can go higher on him just because the Flyers are actually in a pretty good contract situation and salary cap situation for next season because they don't have, they're not going to have to pay. I think they were saving up money to pay Oscar Lindblom and Nolan Patrick over this summer. Those were the two main restricted free agents. So those guys are, you know, it's highly unfortunate circumstances, but the reality is, is that Lindblom is probably not going to play next year. And who knows with Nolan Patrick? I mean, he still hasn't even been cleared for contact. So those are two guys that I think they were expecting to pay something like a combined $7 million to. And now they're going to have to shell out maybe one to 2 million to retain those guys. So they're going to, they're going to have money for next year. And I just really think they're going to try and bring back the same exact team. Maybe not a Derek Grant potentially, but I, I just, or obviously a, a Nate Thompson, but I just I, I think that Braun will be brought back and I think they'll figure out to make it work. And Justin Braun seems like the kind of guy to me who's going to look at this as unfinished business. So I would expect him to come back. But you raise an interesting point, because let's say he says he wants a two year deal. I don't know if the Flyers are going to want to commit to him for two more years. And if another team does offer him that, then it gets questionable. But I just I think they'll figure out a way to make it work. And if they need to, they could match his salary this year because they have some space. I'd like to see them keep him around for sure. Yeah, I mean, does he deserve a raise? Mm, I don't know. I don't know if I would go over 3.8. Would I give him 3.8 again or, you know, 3.5? Yeah, I think I'd be okay with Justin Braun making 3.8 again. Or, or even if they have to go up 200000 It's $200,000. Give him $4 million for a year. Like, what's the big deal? Uh, I think he played well enough to deserve it. And it and, a guy, and again, I don't want to spend too much time on, on Justin Braun because it's a prospect show. But he he helped bring along some of these young guys. He he caters his game to his wh- whoever he's playing with, I think. And 
you know, he did a lot of beneficial things out there that that really went unnoticed. And I think he's really underappreciated. I think uh, so, too. Yeah. I mean, if you can get him and Haig back together for about five million together, I don't see the harm in that at all. Yeah. Um, that's your bottom pair. That means your top six is solid. It's solidified. They know each other. They've played with each other. They had a great season together. If you don't bring him back, you throw Haig now into uncertainty because as much as I like him, at, at least it's because uh, I, I think he just takes too much crap from people. But who are you going to pair him with? And is he going to be as effective? I think you're doing him a disservice too. And then it's throwing everything kind of out of whack. I, do I think that he would uh, you know, take a drastic pay cut? No, I don't think so. I mean, that would be insulting because he's 33. He had a good year. He, you'd like to think that he can still play a, a, and do something. He, he, he's got a limited amount of time to earn some dough in the league. He's not going to take, you know, two point five million. I've even heard people saying like that's that's insane. He he will get signed somewhere for three, guaranteed. Um, the question is, you know, what do you have to go to the two years to make it, you know, three point four, you know, three point five? You know, you get that three hundred thousand cost savings. You get Hag for one point seven, one seven five. I think that's solid. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting scenario to see how that plays out. And, like, don't forget either, like, guys listening out there who, who may disagree. Like, Braun did start out a little bit shaky in the beginning of the year. And I, I believe it's just because he was a, a new guy playing with a new partner. It, it may be the same way next year if they decide to move on and partner Hague up with somebody different. So the familiarity, it might breed, you know, instant success next year instead of having to learn to play with another player. But let me digress a little bit here. Let's move on. Uh, to another left-handed defenseman in the Flyer system, uh, 2016 fifth-round pick, Linus Hogberg. Hogberg, not Bird. Hogberg. <laughs> and we could start with Dan. Yeah, I, I love, and it's 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 funny because uh, you know Alex Appleyard, who you had on, I believe recently, um, he came on getting bullied, and I was referred to him as the professor because his uh, enunciation is so good, and he's obviously he's got all the <laughs> really European. Is. So he's you know he he, he says his, his name is uh, Linus Ogbear, so it's like a silent H. But I'm sure that he's most of the people are going to call him Hogberg when he comes over here. Oh yeah, but he he's one of my favorite defense prospects for the Flyers. And it's a real shame that I don't think that the Flyers are going to end up signing him. And I've compared this to the Nicholas Albe-Kubel thing because Albe-Kubel is a guy that, like, me and, you know, Alex and a bunch of the other prospects folks have really liked over the years. And none of the Flyers' front office never seemed to like Albe-Kubel that much. He got a chance last year and uh, Haxtell playing him for three minutes a game. This year, it was like he didn't exist when you were talking to Chuck Fletcher or Brett Flair about prospects. They put him on waivers and almost lose him, and everyone's like, what are they doing? And then he comes up, and he's really good. He's exactly what we thought he'd be. And that's what I think. I feel like Linus Ogbear is, is, is that as a defenseman. The first time that I saw him at Flowers Development Camp, I kind of fell in love with his game because he's very polished. This was He was an 18-year-old right after they drafted him. And I wasn't expecting anything out of him. But he's a guy who all of his passes are tape to tape. He's a really good skater. He's very polished. And that's the reason why, as an 18-year-old, um, as an 18-year-old, he was one of the only players 
uh, one of the only defensemen to play in more than 30 games in the Swedish Hockey League, which is arguably the third best professional league around the world. People want to say NHL, then the KHL in Russia, and then it's either the Swedish League or the AHL is the third and fourth best leagues in the world for professionals. And here you've got an 18-year-old fifth-round pick who's, who's playing a full-time role in this professional league, which is really impressive. And so his numbers aren't going to be good playing in, in a league like that, uh, which is a defensive league to begin with, um, against older players. And he just continued to impress me, basically, every, every stop. Uh, he was good in the World Junior Championships for Sweden, didn't put up any points. But again, he does all the little things right. And then you fast forward to, to this year and um, playing for the Vaxio Raiders. He put up 14 points in 50 games, which is, if you look at all the under 21-year-old defensemen in the league, that was fifth. And there's some really good defensemen that you're looking at on that list that have been first and second round picks. So to, to me, he's, and he's 6'1", 185, but he's, he's built to be a defenseman in the modern day NHL because his outlet passes are really good. He's good defensively. He knows how to leverage his weight and he's got a good shot. He's got a little bit of a flair to his game, but he's the, to me, the perfect modern day, like third pair defenseman who's not going to hurt you defensively, but it's going to help you offensively. And it just doesn't seem like the Flyers are going to sign him. And for folks who don't know, players who are drafted um, out of the Swedish League, uh, and same thing with the Finnish Leagues, their rights expire, I believe, four years after they're drafted. And so this is the summer that Hogbear's rights expire if the Flyers don't sign him. And all of the summer and comments have signed up and pointing to the fact that it just doesn't seem like they're going to sign him. I don't really understand it, but uh, it is what it is. And so I'm kind of disappointed that he's, he's not going to be on the roster, but he is one of my teacher's pet kind of favorite prospects on this team. Linus Ober. That's how you say it? Linus Ogbear. Ogbear. Huh. So it's like a silent H and a silent RG. Sounds like a like a Viking or something. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, Manny, any thoughts on Linus Ober? I like calling him Hogberg, but yeah. that's just me. <laughs> um, everything that I've that I read about, I I like to rely more on uh, Alex Appleyard just because I know that he really follows the the European uh, players, um, but especially the defensemen, I have a hard time uh, trying to sort sort them out and compare them with the guys that are playing uh, in North America um, because yeah, the leagues are so different and you look at the, you know, the point totals and the goal totals and it's not about Hogberg. It's, it's about just in general, you sit there and you go like, I, I don't know. I don't really see what's so special about this, but Dan's right. He did play for uh, Sweden at the world juniors uh, a few years ago. He's a good skater. He's slick. Uh, you know, he doesn't have any glaring deficiencies to his game. The, the real issue is, is now it's it's kind of crunch time, and they got to make a decision with uh, both him and uh, David Bernhardt, um, who honestly I don't know anything about other than he was a seventh round uh, pick, and he's a Swede as well. But again, similar sort of thing. Um, you know, I don't really know how to compare these guys to the to the North American skaters um, in the in the Canadian junior leagues or, or even in college. From what Chuck Fletcher was saying was he basically said, like, you know, never say never, but they have to manage the contract situation. And right now the Flyers are at 48 contracts and the maximum allowed is 50. Now, I think they have until August 
I believe, to sign Hogberg. I think it's August 15th or something. So you never know that we might be entering, you know, the first round of the Stanley Cup playoffs by then. Who knows? But um, I guess it will depend on what uh, Chuck does with uh, a lot of the expiring contracts in the, uh, you know, ECHL and in the AHL. Are both of them going to get signed, meaning, uh, you know, Hogberg and, and Bernhardt? No, I don't think so. Um, if one of them will, I think it would be Hogberg because he, from all intents and purposes, from what, you know, Alex says, he's the best uh, defender uh, that the Flyers have in their system over in uh, in Europe. I would have given him an ELC 100 out of 100 times over Wyatt Wiley. I think that Ogbear if he comes over to the NHL, I think he's going to have a much better career than Wiley. And I think he's going to, not that the, I mean, look, the Flyers have a ton of great defense prospects and they're set for years. So I wouldn't say that he's going to make them look dumb, but I think that he's going to maybe show some kind of uh, error in talent evaluation because I'm a big believer in in Ogbear's ability in in the the modern way that the NHL has played. So, Is it? Too much of a stretch to say that they signed Wiley over Linus because he's a right-handed shot. Like, why wouldn't they sign him? I think I would say I thought you were going a different direction. I think that it's, I think that they signed him over. If, if they end up not signing Ober, I think it's more than anything because Wiley uh, plays in the Canadian Junior Leagues, and there's more of a comfort level with with signing guys coming out of there and more of the expectation and maybe I'll be proven wrong, but um, I just, I, I think Ogbear is a better all around hockey player than Wiley. Okay. Fair enough. So let's, let's move on here to another guy with a great hockey name. Uh, a guy whose name has been popping up more and more recently amongst uh, let's say prospect gurus and, and people who follow prospects here. And Manny, I'll toss him to you first. 2019 fourth round pick Mason Millman. The thing with Millman, and I, I'm pretty sure that Dan is going to have him uh, higher than me uh, in terms of just overall of the defensive prospects. He certainly had a good year um, this year with the Saginaw Spirit in the OHL. He's a left-handed shot, six foot, 180 pounds, um, 44 points in 58 games, 13 goals. Plus 31, you know, 61 penalty minutes. I mean, I'm just reading his stats here. Since I started this year with Brotherly Puck and and looking at all these CHL players, um, Millman was a guy. I mean, he was a fourth-round pick um, in 2019. And I remember following him, like, every single game and and looking at him and going, like, I don't know what they're seeing here. Uh, He started the season pretty badly. Um, at one point, probably about five, six weeks into the season, um, there was a young Belarusian, I think he's Belarusian, uh, player on the Saginaw Spirit that started taking over all of the you know, power play time, uh, was really stealing all the thunder. Millman at one point was a minus 17 wow. uh, early in the season. And I remember going like, man, what? What did they do with it? Like, who is this guy? Why did they get this guy so, so well, like so high? Uh, he turned it around and the reason that I have such uh, trouble kind of pinpointing what I think Mason Millman is, there's still that I, I think he's, I think he's a lot better than he was certainly at the beginning of the season. Um, he, he finished with a plus 31. So that shows he went from around minus 17 to plus 31. That shows a pretty significant change. Oh, yeah. Um, 
The other part of it, and I was glad to, to hear and read uh, Brett Flair's comments, uh, you know, the amateur scout, you know, head of scouting for the, the Flyers, assistant GM of the Flyers. Brett Flair said uh, about Millman, he's like, you know, he, he had a good season, but I kind of want to know if it's the team that he's on or if it's actually him. And I, that's exactly how I feel. Um, the Saginaw spirit have uh, a guy on there. I don't know if you've heard of him. He's a Paisan, uh, James, just for you. Uh, Cole Perfetti. Oh, yeah. Who's going to be, in my estimation, he should be a top five selection in uh, in this year's draft. I was surprised Alex uh, Appleyard didn't didn't think he w- he should go in the top 10. He, he had some European guys uh, ahead of, uh, of Cole Perfetti, but... That line that Perfetti is on uh, with Damian Giroux, who's a Minnesota Wild draft pick, and Cole Koski, who I don't know if he's a, a draft pick. I mean, the worst of those guys had 34 goals. Wow. Uh, Perfetti finished with 37, um, and Damian Giroux had 44. And don't forget, the season was cut short. So that line just absolutely dominated other teams. Uh, probably the most dominant line in the OHL. Uh, the only other one that's comparable would be Marco Rossi's line with the Ottawa 67s. Um, I've seen games where Saginaw was losing, you know, 5-1 in the third period, and they come back and win 6-5. Wow. Um, and it's happened more than once. Like it happened like maybe twice, maybe three times, like four or five goal deficits in the third period. And you come back and you win a game, whether it's in overtime and usually it is in overtime, but I mean, it was, it's just unbelievable. And that line just has the ability to really gel and click. And I think Millman was along for a little bit of that ride, uh, playing with those guys. And that would help explain the giant, you know, plus minus turnaround. But, uh, he, I like that he's got a little bit of a mean streak to him too. I mean, he did get a, a I think it was a five or six game suspension for, uh, you know, just kind of throwing an elbow at a guy. And he didn't really connect with the head, but he really got him uh, in a, when he was in a vulnerable position and he went into the boards awkwardly and he had to sit out, you know, a couple games. But overall, I mean, his trajectory is going up. He improved. He went from 25 points to 44. Um, the team around him, especially that first line, um, really did a lot of damage this year. And I, I'd like to see what he does next year. And at, because of that, I really I'm not comfortable saying that, you know, oh, I think he's going to be a middle pair defenseman uh, at the NHL level. I don't know about that uh, bottom pair. Maybe. I don't know. Uh, I really don't know with him. I, I just know that he improved over last year. Um, and I'm really eager to see uh, what he's going to do next year and what should be his final season in Saginaw. Okay. Fair enough. Great info there on Mason Millman. Uh, Dan, your thoughts? I love Mason Millman. I think that other than York and Zamula, he has worn away the most upside uh, of all the guys that we're talking about on the show. You know, for me, the first two guys we talked about, Kalanuk and Wiley, are kind of like in in one tier and now we're in a new tier with Kalanick and Millman. And I didn't know much about Millman when the Flyers drafted him in the fourth round. I saw him at development camp and I was super impressed with his skating ability and his passing ability. He just is a guy that exudes raw skills. I kind of say he's like a poor man's Travis Sanheim. Ron Hextall drafted Travis Sanheim because of all of the, the raw skill 
he had and that he showed. And that was a late first round pick. And obviously that one's looking pretty good. Millman doesn't have that type of skating ability, although he's a, he's a really good skater. Uh, but so I was really impressed with him in development camp. And then for my Flyers top 20 prospects last summer, I think I was one of the only people who had him in the top 20. And I didn't have guys like Wiley or Kalanuck even in that, that top 20. And so, as Manny said, he got off to a really rough start. But then he absolutely poured it on. And, you know, you take a look at some of the goals that this guy scored. And I've got some of the links up in my article over at Philly's Flyer. But he, he, he scored a couple end-to-end goals that were just phenomenal. He's also got a really good slap shot. They did have a really good power play, as, as Manny mentioned. But just to put it in context, his, so his 44 points put him fifth in the uh, entire league, um, in the entire OHL, among all defensemen under the age of 19. And that's putting him right up there with first-round pick Thomas Harley, the Stars, and Jamie Drysdale, who's going to be a first-round pick this coming year. So he's in some really good company there. And Ted, who's uh, on Twitter, at thatguy11920, he does a lot of good Flyers prospect work. He's been tracking a lot of games, a lot of game video. And he... He actually has been watching a lot of Millman, and he tweeted this out last week. He said, I've tracked 13 games of Mason Millman. He hasn't iced the puck through 13 games, not once. This is highly irregular and outstanding. His passing ability is absurdly good for a fourth-round pick. And that's the kind of analysis that, that Ted does just by watching these guys for full games. He's going back and watching replays uh, because, you know, I haven't seen him play a full game. I, I've seen some games. I've seen some highlights. You see the numbers. You see him in person at development camp. But, uh, but everything I've seen of him and that I hear from him is just this immense upside from an offensive perspective because he's a phenomenal skater. He's probably the best skater of any of the Flyers prospects we're going to talk about except maybe Cam York. Um, and he's a, he's a great passer. And he's got a great shot. So he's got to button up the, the defense. So the, the, the quote, there was a, uh, Manny was kind of referencing it, but Flair had a few quotes about him, Flyers and GM, Brett Flair. So here's a quote from him about Millman. He said, their team, the Saginaw Spear, they're a run-and-gun team, and it's interesting. Someone said he had a bunch of points in his last 10 games, but his game's a little concerning. They're just go, 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 and that's fine for a young player. He's having fun getting points but he's going to have to dial it in a little bit, learn to be a little more responsible in certain aspects, but his skating, it's very good. So that's kind of like what we're talking about, right? He's, he was on a run and gun team. He's probably gonna to have to focus on learning to play a little bit better in his own zone, but the offensive upside that this guy has is immense. It's really interesting to hear both perspectives on Mason Millman, man. It didn't sound like you were as high and, and Dan, it sounds like you really like him a lot. Well, he's a guy who could, he could miss the NHL, right? And we probably wouldn't be surprised. Or he could turn into a second-pair guy who racks up points on the power play. So I think there's just a little more volatility in his, you know, his floor is not as high as Wyatt Wiley's floor, I don't think. But the ceiling, to me, is just much higher. Spot on. Volatility is the word. Like, I, I don't really know what what he's going to be yet. I mean, he, he got points on a, on a run and gun team as, as flair alluded to. And then sometimes in the defensive zone, like, you know, there'll be, you know, the other team will be cycling the puck and he'll kind of just get, you know, a little bit, you know, he'll lose a man or he'll, he'll, he won't pick up somebody and then pucks in the back of the net. And 
it's just those are the little things like and, and I kind of alluded to it before I, I think a defenseman has to have that responsibility in their own end they need to you know if it if they could put the puck in the net and skate like this guy can that's great um I still think that defense is job one um for a defenseman and you know I don't see him supplanting you know Provorov or or Sanheim or Myers or some of these other offensive defensemen in our system as it is right now um even if he gets to the NHL level like I just don't see that for him at this point and that's kind of the logjam that uh, the D's in like the Flyers have done a great job picking defensemen and they got all kinds of different defensemen out there like all different skill sets um all different uh, talent levels and that's kind of what you want to see like I really like that about the Flyers uh, selections could you imagine a defensive pairing with names like Mason Millman and Wyatt Wiley playing together it's like the ultimate hockey D pairing right there. Oh, the alliteration is just great. <laughs> I would love to see it. I don't know about anybody else, but I would absolutely love to see that. Best uh, best name defense pairing in the, in the history of the league. Zarly Zalapsky. Yeah, right up there from, with Zarly the Zalapsky. Yeah. Yep. Uh, let's move on to Mark Friedman here. And Mark Friedman's a guy who I feel like – been in the system forever like I, he's 24 years old we're talking about uh Wyatt Kalanuk turning 24 tomorrow potentially being 25 by the time he ever plays for the Flyers and whatnot uh Friedman's a little bit of a different case here he was a third round pick in 2014 uh, a right-handed shot 5'11 uh, 183 pounds uh played a, in a couple games with the Flyers this year and held his own I think for the most part for me, I was kind of like, all right, Friedman's a guy who's going to be a career AHLer, you know. After having seen him play this year, you could make a strong case that he could be a bottom pairing defenseman on this team, I think. What about you guys? And we could start with Dan this time. Yeah, he's a guy that I've never really given his due respect on my prospect list. I've never had him in the top 20. And then. He had his stint in the NHL this year, six-game stint. I thought he was terrific. Yeah. I mean, he, he, he was playing so well that he, he was getting 14 minutes a game. And, you know, for a, for a defenseman, a rookie defenseman, playing important games for this team when you're in a playoff chase. And he just he didn't make many mistakes at all. He played with poise. I was just incredibly impressed with him. And he's a guy that you watch him play – with the Phantoms, and he's just always playing 100%. He's got he's one of those go 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 guys. He's got a great engine. He's he's got some physicality to his game for a 5'11 guy. He's kind of like one of these smaller guys, but he's got some thickness to him. And you know he'll dole out a big hit every now and again. He's also a really good skater. I mean he goes end to end sometimes with the Phantoms. But what's going to make him an NHL defenseman if he makes it for the Flyers and and captures a you know one of the spots is one of their six defensemen that's getting minutes is that he's just so solid defensively and he doesn't make mistakes. And you could see that in his six games with the flyers this year. And so it just kind of forced me to, to put him up on this list, maybe higher than he should have been. I put him at number 11, but I, I was just so impressed with him and, and it's, it's almost like a great story, right? I mean, he, he's been with the phantoms now for four seasons. He did three, three years in college at bowling, green and you just kind of come up through the system and you just kind of have to admire that and 
And yeah, I was I was so happy to see how he played last year for the Flyers. And it, it's a, it is again, it's a, you're looking at a roster that's going to be tough to crack, especially if they bring Braun back. But I could see a scenario where they trade Goss Despair and Friedman. Um, Friedman is the you know is the the seventh guy. I could certainly see that scenario. For sure, uh, Manny, your thoughts on Mark Friedman? Kind of like Wiley in a bit, like he doesn't have any glaring deficiencies in the game. Um, The only thing that I would caution people is it was only six games. Um, And, you know, I wouldn't say he looked good, uh, but certainly he held his own and he did the job that he was asked to do, which was to fill in for injury and to be competent at the NHL level, which is, is difficult to do. And he did that in the six games and he even got an assist um in one of those games but uh, i can't put too much stock into a six game cup of coffee at that being said i mean i had very little expectation for mark friedman and i think that that's the name of the game with him is you know people didn't really have too much uh information on him they didn't have too much in terms of expectation and then you know he's with lehigh and uh you know he's playing all right i mean 26 points is his uh, max in uh with the phantoms um, and then he comes up in the NHL and you're like, you know, he was capable. He, he didn't turn the puck over. He didn't make any mistakes. Uh, you know, he was fine. Like he was just fine. He was an admirable fill in and, uh, definitely worthy of, you know, being in our system and, uh, we'll see what, uh, the future holds for, for Friedman. But again, as Dan alluded to, it kind of makes that decision about, you know, when you're juggling, uh, I don't know if he's an RFA this year, he might be. Yeah, he's an RFA at the end of this season. Yeah, I mean, so then you have to, some decisions to make because then, you you know, you sit there and you go, well, we want to re-sign, you know, Hag's an RFA. You know, you got Friedman's an RFA. You've got Bronze a UFA. And it's like, okay, those are kind of, you know, that's three pieces that, you know, played time on, on, on the Flyers and you kind of want to keep them all. I mean... And, you know, can you keep them all? We'll see. Who knows? I, I mean, the RFA should be easy enough to sign. We'll see about uh, about Justin Braun. But that's when you sit there and you go, is, is Ghost expendable? You know, if they can get something close to what they want for him, or maybe they can trade up in the draft, uh, you know, five, six spots. I don't know. That, that might be something, you know, freeing up four and a half million bucks. You can get most of those guys re-signed, if not all of them. It seems like the Flyers are kind of clogged up defensively when it comes to like the NHL team. You know, they have some of these younger prospects coming th- up through the pipeline, and it's like, okay, you know, these guys need some seasoning. It's okay to let them develop down here and whatnot. But for guys like Mark Friedman and you know Sam Moran, who we're going to touch on, we're looking at Shane Gossespierre as the odd man out right now as the seventh defenseman. Uh, Robert Haig. Uh, Justin Braun, there's the, you're right. There are a lot of decisions to be made. Um, I, I guess they're they're in a good spot. It's better to have too many than not enough. I I think it, it's going to be really interesting to see how this plays out. You know, they have a lot of guys that I, I think you know there are a lot of Shane Gossespierre fans out there, and I, I know guys want him back. They want to see if he can uh, you know bring his talent level back up to where it was a couple years ago. Justin Braun for a guy like me, and it sounds like you guys feel the same way. You want to see him back because he did a lot of good things. Mark Friedman, at least at my estimation, held his own. 
does he deserve a spot on the Flyers? Uh, I don't know if he deserves a spot, but personally, I would like to see how he does. I think he's a guy that, you know, if they're able to sign him, I, I don't know if they could still sign him to a two-way deal, but, you know, maybe he takes that two-way deal or, you know, he played well enough, I think, maybe a team, I don't know, he's an RFA, right? So the Flyers would have to get draft compensation if somebody traded for him. So how that works? It won't be much just because uh, he's not going to sign for more than, you know, two million bucks. Right. Yeah, it, it's it's a really interesting situation. I th- Before this season, I was kind of, like I said, uh, Mark Friedman's a Phantoms player for me. After having seen him play a little bit, he's he could be serviceable. If that's what Mark Friedman's going to be at the NHL level, exactly what he was, He's extremely serviceable. I'm perfectly fine with Friedman as a six or a seventh defenseman, 100%. And if he can play, you know, solid minutes with the Phantoms with an influx of new players coming in, oh, with yeah. Lisinski and Allison and, you know, all the all this other talent that's going to be coming in, why not? Let's see what oh, yeah. he can do. See if we can improve his game even more, and then he'll be even more ready to step in uh, to, the, to the lineup if, uh, if an injury occurs. Every time I talk pros- prospects with you guys – I'm just when when I think about it, I'm like I'm amazed. Like they're the Flyers are in such a good situation, a situation that they haven't been in since I think I said it on the first episode since I can remember, where they have so many guys ready to play on the NHL roster, then they know what to do with, and like guys are panning out who I didn't think were going to pan out. Friedman, for example, and it's like okay, well I don't want to lose him now, or you know what I mean. They're in such yeah. a good spot. So here's the key. The key is is the depth that they have of, with these prospects. Because and this is this is what happens when you've got a GM like Ron Hextall who accumulates draft picks and then he doesn't trade them and he doesn't trade the prospects. And so what's happened is the Flyers have got three really good young defensemen in Sandheim and Provorov and Myers, who all arguably could be top pair defensemen. They've got a lot of really good young forwards and now they're in a position where they've literally got way too many guys who project as middle six bottom six forwards and as bottom pair defensemen and so you're in that situation and and you have so many of those guys that some of them are going to work out and we saw it with what happened with the fourth line this year. For the first half of the season, the Flyers couldn't find the balance with the fourth line. It was one of their weaknesses. And then all of a sudden, you bring up Nicholas Abbey-Cubell. Bingo. Hey, one of these depth guys has turned into someone who's really good on the fourth line. And the same thing is going to happen with these defensemen. Right? We talk about all these young defensemen. And then we've got more elite guys who we're going to get to shortly. But then you talk about a lot of these guys like a Millman, a Kalanuck a uh, Wiley, um, a Friedman, a Ogbear. It's just by chance, a few of these guys are going to turn into very good bottom pair NHL defensemen with the ability to do more. And so when you've got kind of this faucet that keeps bringing these guys up who can be bottom six, bottom pair players, it's crucial because that's how you win hockey games. You, you know, you saw it this year, the second half of the season, that's what the Flyers were doing. Yeah, and you mentioned we didn't even get to the top end talent. Like w- w- most of these guys are, are depth guys, or you know we're hoping that they they're gonna pan out and need extra seasoning and whatnot. Let's get to 
last year's first round pick, Cam York. Uh, drafted 14th overall by the Flyers. Of course, you know, most people think about Cam York. They think about, oh, well, we could add Cole Caulfield. You guys have different opinions on Cam York, where he's a good player in his own right. And I, I want to hear what you got your guys' thoughts on Cam York. Uh, Dan, we could start with you. Okay. So, yeah, it was funny, right? Cam York, they, everyone wanted Cole Caulfield. They trade down, have two chances at Caulfield. Then the second time around, Fletcher gets up there and says, from the U.S. development team, and everyone thinks, oh, it's going to be Cole Caulfield, and it's Cam York. And so there was this you know, moment where fans were a little bit disappointed. I was among them. But uh, then you dig into Cam York's game, and the thing that sticks out to me about Cam York is that he basically does everything right in terms of decision-making. And that's what stood out to me when I watched the highlights, when I watched full games of him. He makes all of the right passes. Even things that you see, like you'll see Shane Gosses bear try and carry the puck into the zone, and you're like, oh, that was the wrong decision. He could have passed it you know, at the beginning over to Voracek, and it would have been a better play. Cam York, every single time, makes the right play. And when you've got a guy with hockey IQ like that, it's a huge starting point. He's also a very good skater. He's very poised. Uh, he, he's, he's an extremely good passer. And he's just, he was the top defenseman for the U.S. national development team. He had 65 points in 63 games. And he's playing with guys like Jack Hughes and Caulfield and Trevor Zagras and Alex Turcotte. And he's the defenseman that they have on the top power play unit because he can think the game like those forwards think the game. He had a somewhat disappointing freshman season at Michigan. He battled injuries the entire season. It seems like nagging injuries at the World Junior Championships. He was basically the U.S.'s seventh defenseman. He didn't get a whole lot of time. But most of the guys who were getting time were 19 years old. He was 18. So next year he should have plenty more opportunities at the world junior team. So he didn't have a spectacular season. Like Bobby Brink had a really good season for his first year in college. Cam York didn't, but I think a lot of it was, was, you know, based on the injuries that were going on and his potential is still there is absolutely a top pair NHL defenseman. And I think the important thing with Cam York is that, especially if the flyers are going to part ways with Shane Gossespierre at some point, None of the remaining guys are like elite power play defensemen. Provorov put up really good numbers on the power play this year. I think Sandheim might actually be their best power play defenseman on the team right now. But Cam York, I wouldn't be surprised in two years or three years if Cam York is a second pairing defenseman on this team, but he's the number one power play guy. That's how, that's how good he is offensively, and that's how well he thinks the game. Okay. Yeah, he's a guy I'm excited to see, too. Uh, Manny, give us your thoughts on Cam York. Well, first of all, he's from the bustling hockey metropolis of Anaheim, California. <laughs> so, I mean, uh, he's got that fiery red hair, too. But um, I know when the Flyers drafted him and all of the fans kind of got into a tizzy and it was actually pretty disgusting what some fans you know, tweeted him and stuff. And uh, there was definitely no no place for that. Um, I know that, hey, I wanted Caulfield too at the beginning, and but I would never, you know, try to, you know, ruin somebody's day uh, on the most, one of the biggest days of their lives, uh, yeah. you know, being there with friends and family and, and having your name called. It's such a cool thing. And, and he is a good defenseman. He, he does make good decisions. 
on the offensive side, you know what? He is a good skater. He's got good passing ability. He can shoot the puck. Um, he does a lot of these little things. But as Dan said, I, I love how it was like somewhat disappointing. I mean, he's he still got points with Michigan. The problem was, I think that people kind of, uh, you know, want to see him at the World Juniors. And you know what? He was hurt. He, he battled through injury and, you know, he barely played. I mean, he was averaging, what, two, three, four minutes, um, barely getting used. Um, you know, so that that was a bit disappointing. I don't think anybody's more disappointed than him, uh, it, to be quite honest. But, you know, sky's the limit He for, for Cam York. I mean, he is the best defensive prospect in the Flyer system. No doubt about it. Um, I kind of, I wanted to kind of revisit that that whole Cole Caulfield thing. And everyone's like, uh, about an hour or two before the show, I was thinking about it. And I kind of had this you know, light bulb go off in my head. And I go, we, we, don't, we won't really have an answer until we know who the Flyers select this year. And I say that because in a way it might it might have worked out because this year it's going to be a forward heavy first round. There's going to be yeah the Drysdale who's you know the, the easily the number one defensive prospect out there uh, in the draft this year, and then it kind of thins out a little bit more. And and definitely I think the Flyers are definitely going to be taking a forward in the first round. Obviously, if they keep it, we'll see if they trade it or do whatever. But if that's the case then it really serves them well that they did take Cam York last year. Um, when you really think about it, in that draft class, uh, Bowen Byram went fourth. Moritz Sider went sixth. Uh, the Red Wings shocked everybody when they took him there. Yeah. Uh, I like Philip Broberg. He went to the Edmonton Oilers. And then after that, I was stunned when Arizona took Soderstrom. I, I'd heard very mixed uh, reviews with him. And then York went at 14 to the Flyers. And then Caulfield went right after. Um, after that, I, I mean, I really none of the defensemen on that were taken, uh, certainly in the first round, can hold a candle to what Cam York is. And I kind of think of it akin to when you, you know, do a fantasy football draft or a hockey draft or whatever the case may be. I mean, you kind of know the positions that you need. And then you, you sit there and when you compare all the different positions, you go, okay, I really need one of these quarterbacks. Otherwise, my team's going to be pretty garbage. And then if you're stuck there and it's your pick and there's only one of those quarterbacks left, you kind of have to take that quarterback. You can't really jump off the board and get, you know, a wide receiver or a, or a running back or whatever. You kind of got to take that guy because he's the last guy that you've identified in your list. And I kind of think, I know that the Flyers say that they had him as their, you know, the best, the best defenseman. But I kind of look after that Cam York selection and you look at the defenseman and none of them really jump out at me. And, you know, you never know what the future holds. Maybe one of those guys will be better, but. I think they made a wise choice here because I really don't see Cam, uh, the Flyers taking a defenseman uh, in the first round this year. I think they're going to go forward. And if you look at it that way, you got York, you've got Brink, and then you've got a forward, which we don't know who it's going to be. And it might be somebody pretty substantial because it is a good first round. It might They might have made the right decision getting uh, Cam York after all. Yeah, when you put it like that, if if you don't take a defenseman last year, and odds are you're not going to get one this year, it it almost now feels like they lucked out with York. Dan, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I 
the the fact that they drafted Brink, the fact that they traded up in the second round to draft Brink, for me, and I think for a lot of fans, took the sting out of the fact that they didn't get Cole Caulfield. And by the way, Caulfield's no sure thing. I mean, he had a pretty good season in college, but you, there are, obviously he dropped to, what it was, number 15 or 16. So there's people that have doubts about him. But, uh, but yeah, no, I think it's looking at how the draft looks this year. I think it is definitely a good thing that they took York last year, paired with him getting Brink. Now, a couple of things. One is that, you know, the Flyers are going to have the last pick in the draft because they're going to win the Stanley Cup uh, if <laughs> the NHL resumes. So I don't know what kind of player we'll get there. But uh, the other thing, which we'll get to shortly, and, you know, Manny and I can have a, a debate about this one, is that he said that York is bar none the best Flyers defensive prospect in the system. And I ranked our next guy on the list higher than York. So, you know, maybe we can have a, a healthy debate about that one. But I don't think there's any way you could say that he's bar none the best defensive prospect in the system okay well i saved zamula for last for somewhat of a reason i guess i i thought you guys were both pretty high on igor we could start with manny here first thoughts on igor zamula i'm definitely high on him i just think that york will project to be higher in terms of value value to the flyers i think he he should be higher in the lineup he's first pair potential uh cam york i don't know if zamula is there um and listen he's i know everybody you know went crazy for him he had that two goal game at the world juniors and he had a good world juniors no question about it Uh, all the hockey people though still said that Romanov, the Montreal prospect, was you know the best defender on that Russian team. Uh, I know Zamula still had a great tournament. There's no doubt about it. He did impress me. Um, I know that other sites and podcasts have listed him as 6'3". I have no idea where they got that uh, height from because he is a monster. Uh, he is uh, listed on the Hitmen's website as 6'4". So he's in between uh, Sanheim and Myers in terms of height. Um, he is only 170-ish pounds, uh, so he's a little light, but he's got a lot of growing to do um, going forward. I, I mean, 28 points in 28 games, uh, seven of them were goals. The thing that I really like about Zamula is, well, he proved it. he's a very competitive guy, um, and he really is a confident player. Um I know that the temptation is there to to say that Zamula is the best. And you know what? Hey, apples to oranges. You know what? If he turns out to be number one, I ain't going to complain at all. Um, Cam York, I still think, would be the best, the highest ceiling out of the two. Um, and in a sense, I even think it, it, he's got a higher floor. What I really like about Zamula is, you know what? He's got that shot from the point. He's not afraid to use it. Um, he used it for Calgary numerous times he's got seven goals in 28 games so he's scoring every four games um he's got a presence and i don't know how um scouts would would say this but i kind of in my notes this is how i describe it he uh he commands the blue line and i really like that especially on the power play he's always moving he's always active he's trying to get to the half wall he's trying to you know make those outlet passes uh, in that offensive zone trying to set something up he's constantly switching with his defense partner to try to get a shot or or to open up a lane for his partner to get a shot i love all those things about him about his game the thing that i worry about is that back injury 
a back can be a real tricky thing. Um, I still think he is going to be an NHL player. In fact, I, I'm pretty much, I think he's no doubt going to be an NHL player. I just worry about if that back is going to hinder him at any point, or if this is going to come up again, I know that they use the word degenerative, you know, back uh, issue uh, when they, when, when they diagnosed him. And they kind of walked back from that and they said that he's progressing well in his rehab and he should be ready for uh, training camp. His, that, the back worries me a little bit. I still think he's an NHL player. He does really well at the prospect camps uh, and training camp and everything else. He's a good player with the hitmen, no doubt about it. He was a point per game player. The only other thing that I would mention is Calgary, the hitmen team in the WHL, they were a wild card team. They were solidly in a wild card spot. Like they were well ahead of everybody that was behind them. But at the same time, they couldn't really catch up to the teams that were ahead of them. And don't forget, Zamula only played 28 games. Um, he went overseas to the World Juniors. He had his great World Junior. And then he came back and all of a sudden he was out with this, with this, uh, with this issue. Calgary didn't get better, but they certainly didn't get too much worse. They were in every game. And, and without a top-pairing defenseman, that would cripple most teams. Mm. Um, and Calgary still found a way to compete and to compete hard in a really tough Western Hockey League. So that would be my you know caveat with, with Igor Zamula. He is a good defenseman. He is a top-pairing guy on the hitmen. They still got on without him, which was a little bit surprising. Interesting point at the end there. Dan, your thoughts on Zamula? So... I think that I'm probably one of the only folks that has him ahead of York. And I think that there's certainly, I think you can kind of like arguments either way. The only thing about Manny's statement that I was taking umbrage with was that saying that York is the clear cut top prospect. So here's some things I'll say about Zamula. <laughs> Just like Phil Myers, he was acquired as an undrafted free agent. He, he wasn't drafted. Hextall saw something in him at camp, development camp, and decided to sign him. I think that if Zamula, let's just say for argument's sake, he's a first-round pick, I think that it's just people generally look differently upon someone in a situation like that than if he's a undrafted free agent. And as we're seeing with Phil Myers, it doesn't matter. Like, Phil Myers, the way he looks now, you're like, how is this guy not a first-round pick, right? Well, Zamula, I think people hold it against him that he wasn't drafted. Uh, if you look at what he's done, this season, uh, actually his first season uh, after being drafted, he put up 56 points for Calgary. And that ranked him fifth among all under-19-year-old WHL blue liners. The only guys ahead of him were first-round picks and second-round picks. So automatically right there, you've got to put him kind of like in that sort of class. I mean, he was fantastic last year for Calgary. But again, people are kind of slow to buy into undrafted players. He started out this year on a phenomenal pace. I mean, he's one of only six under 20 year old defensemen in the uh, WHL who averaged more than a point a game or a point a game. And the next guy down is like 0.82. So that's, you know, that's a list with Bowen Byram, Kalen Addison, Ty Smith. It's a, it's a pretty good list right there. And then what he did at the world junior championships is when national prospect analysts started being like, wait, who is this guy? Wait, he wasn't drafted. Maybe we should actually take a look at this guy again. And he was phenomenal in the World Juniors. I thought he was better than Romanov. He had the two-goal game. But not just that. He just has that undeniable it factor 
And it's something that's kind of hard to define, but he's got it. I mean, he scored those two goals and his celebration after the second goal was something like you'd see from Alex Ovechkin. You watch the guy play and you're yeah. like, damn, you don't see Russian players who have attitude like this. He's got it. And then when they played against Canada, going into the third period, right at the end of the second period, he got into it with Barrett Hayton, who was a first round pick for the Coyotes. He just punched him in the face and Hayton went down and it's like, this is awesome. Like this dude's got it, man. And then you talk about the back injury and that cuts both ways, right? Like I absolutely agree. That's a huge question mark. This guy, you're talking about a 20 year old defenseman who's tall and lanky who had back surgery. That's a problem. Like they're saying that he's going to make a full recovery. I, you know, hopefully he will. Cause 20 year olds, you know, typically something like that you can recover from, but here's the other way to look at it. This guy was playing in the world junior championships with a back injury that required surgery. And he was that good. Like how, cause he said he's been hampering him all season and he still is phenomenal putting up a pointy game in the WHL and playing like that in the world juniors. So if he makes a full recovery, which is a big if, but if he does, you can look at it and say, wow, how the heck was he playing like that with this back injury? So that could almost make you be more excited about the fact that he was playing that well when he was injured. So I just, to me, there's so many things about him. And again, he's, he's 6'3". You know he's going to fill out his frame. It might take some time. If, if he's healthy in the fall, which they're saying he's going to be, if he's healthy in the fall, he'll start with the Phantoms, probably play at least one full year with the Phantoms. He's got to put on some weight. But I just I think that people hold against him that he wasn't drafted to a certain extent because the season that he had last year, both in the WHL and the World Juniors, to me, if that was the first round pick who did that, people would be like, oh, my God, this guy is a phenomenal prospect. And so that's just I just I love the way he plays the game. I love the flair he's got. He's he does everything well. I mean, he he's just uh, he's he's a really good prospect to me. And I, I, I enjoy watching him play. You know, I thought it was interesting that you mentioned Alex Ovechkin because watching some of his highlights, and I think, Manny, you were you were kind of alluding to this a little bit by when you were talking about the way he commands the blue line. And, and Dan, when you were, you know, men, you mentioned Ovechkin, he has a bit of a swagger to him. Like, he knows he's the best. He, he knows what he can do, and he knows he's going to do it to you. You know what I mean? Uh I thought that was interesting the, the, when you said that because I was picturing Ovechkin in my mind, but I was hesitant to say it. Uh, so very interesting. Yeah, he. I think he's just. I think he's good, and he knows he's good. Yeah, I mean, to be clear, we're not comparing him to Alex Ovechkin, but it was just you. You so rarely see Russian players, especially, have these celebrations after goals, and and he did this after the second goal, and I'm like, damn, like. This guy knows he's good. I, that, those are the kinds of guys I want on my team. Yeah, me too. Yeah, and the and the point about you know playing with the back injury at the top level of competition for his age group is definitely noted. Um, it also tells you about his compete level and his desire. And you're right, uh, Jim. He's got a swagger. He's got a little bit of uh, you know in your face. Um, when everybody goes back to the point per game, and listen, when he got when he left for the World Juniors. It was like him and Wiley were like two, three, or three, four in in WHL scoring. Like they were right there. Um, I have no doubt that he would have continued at a really good pace coming back to Calgary. The other thing, though, is he's just such a big guy, and he's bigger than most of the guys out there, and he's older than some of those guys out there too. You got to take that into consideration too. 
it's going to be intimidating for a 16 year old, 17 year old kid to skate down the ice and have a six foot four, you know, big Russian guy, you know, putting his mitt in your face, uh, you know, shoving you off the puck. That's, that's pretty tough. Um, I would like to see him. He does have a bit of snarl, I think, with his size. And if he beefs up, I'd like to see him have even more. I think he could be a real rough and tough customer. Um, and I'm interested to see if that part of his game is going to translate into the next level when he gets there. When he get, I mean, I think he could easily be an AHL uh, defenseman right now. Um Based on his performance in, uh, you know, training camps and and the World Juniors, I think he could easily make the Phantoms. There's no question about that. Will he go back to Calgary for another year? You know, maybe, uh, probably just to work it out for a little bit and and get that back nice and healthy. But um, listen, he is a great player too. I just I rank York a bit higher. I'd say York's like a B plus kind of prospect, and I'd put Z Z gangsta Z man at uh, maybe a B. <laughs> But he's right there. He's yeah, okay. Maybe a clear cut was the wrong choice of words. But for me, I, I put uh, I put York in the top tier, and then I put uh, I put Zamula um, in the next next level below. Yeah, I mean there are a Not lot, by much. lot fewer there are a lot fewer questions with Cam York than there are with Zamula because again, you're, with Zamula you've got the back injury. He's not he doesn't play the game with as much polish as Cam York do does. I mean, very few defenseman prospects play with the kind of polish that York does but uh but he make no mistake he's he's definitely on the level of prospect of York and I understand why most people have York higher than him um I I totally get it and I think there's a there's more certainty with York and you still get the upside that you have with Zamula so I think that that's a, a really good combination with Cam York um but you know, Zamula is going to be exciting to watch. And so he's he signed his uh, – he, he signed his ELC yet? Yeah, he did, right? I yeah, think so, so he signed his ELC. So can he go back to Canadian Juniors as an overager with the ELC? Uh, yeah, that's a good question. I don't know the ins and outs of, of that. Um, I, I know he that he usually... turned pro this season. I could be wrong. Yeah, he, you might be right there. And you know what? That's fine. Uh, I'm totally happy seeing him on the Phantoms. I think he's he's a Phantoms player for sure. And I'd like to see what him test himself out against uh, older, um, you know, more experienced competition. See what he does against the older guys and really test that frame of his. The other thing that I, that I got to mention too is when I say commanding the blue line too, especially on the power play and stuff, he's got that wingspan. He's like a Learjet because he's just a big, you know, mammoth of a, of a of a young man but he's good at blocking you know clearing attempts he's good at you know keeping pucks in um you know and that's something that you really like because then you can generate you know keep keep the defense you know in their zone pegged in and and create more scoring opportunities get them tired i, I like it he's got a good game no doubt about it i just the back scares me i always think of you know mary lemieux and all the back issues that he had and you sit there and you go damn could he have been like pretty much like Wayne Gretzky, he might have. If he didn't have the cancer and the back surgeries and all those issues, you may, maybe. You never know. Yeah, you know what? You guys kind of answered my question there. I was going to ask, and I, I'll pose it to Manny first. Like, I was going to ask, what do you see his – how do you see his path to the Flyers? Because Is he going to play for the Phantoms for a couple of years? I mean, like we mentioned, there's not necessarily a spot right now on the roster, if they do the couple, a couple one-year deals with some guys 
and you know Zamula comes up, plays with the Phantoms for a year. Maybe we're looking at two years for Igor Zamula with the Flyers. What what's kind of the path look like for him? Yeah, I'd say at least one year in the AHL, especially with the back. You want to make sure that you that he has a good, healthy season, that he's productive, that he learns the game appropriately. Um, you know what? It's these prospects that the Flyers have, especially on defense. You know what? It's like wine. I don't know if you guys like drinking red wine, but uh, you know. When they when they put those things in the bottle, you know they they have the year on it, and they tell you like, oh yeah, this wine's gonna be. It's, you can open it now and it's good, but if you open it up, you know, two years from now and you sell it really nice, oh, magnifico, right, <laughs> right, Jim? Oh my God, you should. Do you, are you a Somalia? You should. Uh, you got me wanting to go and open up a bottle right now. I actually was gonna go open up a bottle and have a glass here with a prop and just kind of to to do that, but it's the same thing. Like you can't really go wrong if he stays, you know, a year in the AHL. You're not gonna hurt him at all. He's gonna be just fine. In fact, it'll refine his game a little bit more. He'll get better, and he does need to beef up a little bit. Definitely, 170 pounds with that size. He's he's a skinny dude. Like he needs to pack on some muscle, and he'll do that in the AHL because. Those guys in the AHL are going to run at him, and they're not going to shy away from the physical contact with him. in 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 the WA sorry in the WHL, um, you know you might have seen it a little bit, probably not as much in the World Juniors because he did go after Barrett Hayden with the shot to the face. And don't forget, Barrett Hayden was the guy that uh, didn't he not take off his helmet during the anthem. Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. So he's a competitive guy, and he's got passion, man. He's got fire, and I appreciate that about him. Yeah, yeah. I think that especially with the back injury. You know, you're looking at so even even assuming he comes into camp healthy, you're looking at at least one full year with the Phantoms, kind of like what Phil Myers did when he came in. You know, he had the full year with the Phantoms, and then the next year he got some time with the Flyers. The fact that Zamula needs to put weight on, and I'm assuming he wasn't able to do much weight training this summer because of the recovering from the back injury. So, you know, I, I think that's going to be a key. Is also with the back injury, you know, we don't know the specifics but that can have an impact when you're lifting weights and whatnot. you got to be extra careful. So there are some question marks there. But, yeah, I think you'd expect him to play a full year with the Phantoms and then maybe challenge for a roster spot with the Flyers for the uh, 21-22 season. The other yeah. thing, and I want to hear what you guys have to say, this guy's name's come up a couple of times when we've talked about Zamula, and i got to say that you can't ignore it, and it's Myers. You know, undrafted like Myers. He's a big, tall guy like Myers. There's so many different parts of his game that are you can make the the connections between the two. And I don't know, I'm just wondering overall ceiling. Dan, what do you think about Zamula or Myers? Which one would have the higher ceiling? I I would say Myers, I think, but uh the comparables are so there and the fact that he, this guy fell in our lap is just tremendous. Like that's oh, a gold mine. That's a lottery signing. win. Hextall signing both Myers and Zamula as undrafted free agents is insanity. I mean, if Phil Myers, I think in two years, is going to be the Flyers' top pairing defenseman as a right-handed shot with Ivan Provorov. I mean, I think it's going to be Provorov and Myers, unless Myers and Sanheim are just so good together that the Flyers need to put someone else with Provorov. And Myers and Sanheim were really good this season. But I think that Myers is, because he's a righty, is going to be a you know, top pairing defenseman. So I think Zamula you're looking at a guy who's, you know, going to be a second or third pairing D-man on his team. But uh, if you're just talking about pure upside, I think it's similar. I think that, I think that Myers is 
a better skater than Zamula, and I think he has better hockey instincts than Zamula. But I think that Zamula has got uh, Myers also has got the the hardest shot on the Flyers blue line. I think that Zamula is more creative offensively than Myers. I think that uh, maybe his decision making with the puck is can can be a little bit better, although it's close. But I, I yeah, I think that Myers is has more ultimate upside but Zamula is not far behind and I think he's got a little more offensive potential than Myers but neither of them have as much offensive potential as Sandheim is how I would kind of rate I just can't believe that they have two undrafted guys like this that could that could play you know top minutes on a on this defense corpse on a defense corpse with Ivan Provorov and Travis Sandheim you know, and then you go get two undrafted guys like Phil Myers and who who could potentially be one of the, he could potentially be the best defenseman on the roster in a couple of years. Potentially. I mean Ivan Provorov uh has been mentioned for, for winning future Norris trophies uh by by Kevin Hayes and whatnot. I don't know, man. It's 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 insane to think about what the potential this team's gonna have now and in the future. Speaking, and I want to get the two other guys here, two two other bigger guys, and we didn't touch on Adam Ginning. And Dan, I'm not sure if you had him on your top 20 list, but he was a second round pick in 2018, six foot four uh, from Sweden, 205 pounds. Adam Ginning. Yeah. So, and I think it's actually, I think it's a silent G to add confusion to uh-huh. Swedish guys. I think it's Adam Ginning, but he's actually a guy that I had on my prospect list the last few years and he dropped off he's he, this is one of the worst second round picks that Hextall had during his tenure it didn't didn't make any sense to me uh, he it, getting the defensive defenseman at best and he was really good defensively in the world juniors and he, he's been playing on the Swedish national teams forever um, does really a zero offensive ability and then what happened this year was he 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 dropped out of the, the Swedish Hockey League. He was sent down to the Alvenskan, which is like the uh, second-tier professional league. And to me, that's just a really bad sign for a player like that. So combined with the fact that he has zero offensive upside and it's all about being a shutdown defenseman, his NHL ceiling is third-pair defenseman, and I just think the Flyers have a, a lot more exciting guys who could fill that role compared to Yinning. So I dropped him off the list this year. And it's a shame because he was drafted so high. And I think he captained, did he captain his uh, World yep. Junior team? It's it's a shame. So he does have attributes, but it doesn't sound like there's going to be a spot for him in Philadelphia. Manny, do you have any thoughts on Adam Ginning? Like, listen, everything has been said. The, the offense has never been there, um, and the offense is never going to be there, to be perfectly honest. he's He was drafted because of his play in the defensive zone, and he's got a bit of snarl to his game, too. He's the guy that will go to the front of the net and push you out of the way and give you a shot and, you know, make life uncomfortable for you because you're in front of his goaltender. And Jim, you're right. He was the captain of the Swedish team at the World Juniors this year. And to me, I mean, listen, I know the offense isn't there. Is he a second-round pick? Probably not. There was buzz around him, though, from different scouts and people that were talking that, that he was a guy that that they were in, that other teams were interested in. And you sit there and you go, well, this guy was made captain. 
Like, I know the offense isn't there, but that's got to mean something. And, you know, I know people are going to sit there and go, well, yeah, anybody can be named captain. Captain's overrated. Having a C's overrated. He was also the captain of Sweden's under 18 team. So this is more than once that he's been put, you know, as a leader of a locker room. And I kind of get it. Maybe they didn't want to put, you know, Raymond or Holtz or any of these guys uh, that are, you know, going to be in the top 10 uh, drafted pretty much, you know, too much pressure, international scene, you know, let's just let them play. Let's give it to Ginning. At the same time, I don't really know what to make of this guy either. Like the points are not there. And it's easy for, for somebody like me who sits there and go, well, I can't judge points on a European defenseman anyway. But I mean, everything that I've seen, like he fights guys. He, he cross checks guys. He, you know, he elbows guys. He gets rough and tumble. And I do like that. Is he going to be, you know, is he the sexiest pick? No. Um, but again, so much depth, so many different skill sets uh, that the Flyers have drafted for the blue line that you kind of need a guy like that too, just to kind of, you know, switch it up. He won't be anything more than a bottom pair defenseman in the NHL. And that's if he makes the NHL. Yeah, great points on Ginning, and he's kind of another one of those guys that I'm – I don't know why. Like, Dan, you mentioned you had a guy that was kind of like a teacher's pet type player. I find myself rooting for Adam Ginning. I'm not sure why. Uh, I guess he's – I like the bigger guys. He, he's shown some leadership skills, and uh, I don't know. I, I, for me, that means something, and, and I think in a system with so many puck-moving offensive guys, offensive players – I just want to see him pan out for some reason. So we'll see if what happens in the next year or two with Adam getting, I think he's 20 years old. So uh, I'm not sure if he's going to have to sign. He's got one more year in the system to sign that contract, right? Yeah. So that'll be interesting to see what happens in a, in a year. He's, he's actually got two, two years. Oh, he's got two. It's, is it four years? He has yeah, four, four years to four, decide. Four, four years. Yeah. Okay. Just keep All that right. wine in the cellar. It's a couple more years, not going <laughs> to hurt anything. You know what? If it pans out, great. If it doesn't, you'll have you'll have restocked the cupboard by then anyway. Yeah. So the last guy that we wanted to get to tonight, and not really considered a prospect, but something's going to have to be done with the former first-round pick, Sam Moran. And, Dan, since you, you, you brought his name up, I'll, I'll throw him to you first. Yeah, Sam Moran is just, it's, I just wonder, you know, I don't know if you guys have seen the movie The Butterfly Effect, but uh, it's this this movie that basically talks about the butterfly effect, which is something where uh, one action can be as minute as possible, like, you know, a butterfly flying over a certain area of the world based on its wings blowing the wind in that little spot could have an impact on something, you know, ultimately 5,000 miles away. And so it's like this idea that there are these multiple paths that could happen. And, and I always wonder to myself, what would have happened if Sam Moran had made the Flyers like he should have out of camp? I don't know which season it was. It was the season that Sanheim, Haig, and Moran were all battling for two spots with the Flyers. And Haig somehow won the battle. And then Sanheim got the other spot, and Moran was sent down to the Phantoms. He went down there. He blew out his knee. He's really never been able to recover from that. And I, I still think he's a guy that is this huge, towering defenseman who can skate somewhat well and 
chip in with some offense from time to time, and he has that toughness. He's still a guy that I, I feel like could could have been and maybe still could be a, a good bottom-pairing defenseman who can you know, beat the hell out of anyone who gets too close to Carter Hart. But the injuries are just, I mean, he's blown out his knee what each of the past two seasons, and it's heartbreaking for a kid like this. And, and he was taken too high. The Flyers were desperate to try and, you know, get that Chris Pronger type after Pronger had gone out with the concussions and you know they should have taken a guy like I think Max Domi was a guy who went right after him and Josh Morrissey after that a couple of really good NHL players they could have taken in that spot and they took Moran and the injuries have just kind of crippled him and he's 24 years old I'd love to see him get healthy but you just you know they're saying he's going to be healthy for training camp but is he going to be able to stay healthy? That's the big question. And there's so many really good defense prospects in the Flyers system that it's just hard to envision a scenario where I, he's on this team, in the, in the, especially in the coming season. He's going to have to prove that he can stay healthy. But I just always go back and I wonder what would have happened if he would have made the team out of camp that one year. Like, I think he should have because he wouldn't have been with the Phantoms and he wouldn't have blown out his knee down there. It's an interesting, interesting way to think there. It's, it brings up all kinds of what-ifs. And my question about Moran is we mentioned guys like Friedman. And, <clears throat> excuse me, we mentioned guys like Shane Gossespierre still floating around and Robert Haig and Ryan Braun's going to potentially come back. And there's guys coming up uh, into the Phantoms next season. Is there a spot for Sam Moran in this organization, Manny? Oh, I, I want there to be. I like him. He's he's a genuine, you know, seems like he's such a nice guy. And he's had a terrible run of luck with that knee and with those injuries. And you know what? I do. I have a soft spot for those big defensemen that, you know, can, you know, drop the mitts, that can clear the front of the net. You know, I don't think you can have six guys out there that, you know, are the, you know, excellent smooth skating puck moving defenseman uh, type guys. I just don't think that that exists in, in, in any form with any team. Um, I still think that there's, you know, a role for, for defensemen like that. Um, man, I mean, I'm just looking at the, the, that 2013 draft right now. I mean, Valerie Nichushkin was taken one spot before him and, you know, he's better than Leon Dreisaitl apparently. So maybe that <laughs> fucked up the flyers and they just, you know, picked the wrong guy. But, um, you know what? It is a numbers game, and it sucks that it's a numbers game. And it, I want him to, you know, the thing with him is, you're right, uh, Dan, he should have made that team that year instead of Haig. Um, and his trajectory would have been completely different. But but you look at the number of games that he's played. It's like one year in 16-17, two, uh, two games in 17-18, five games in 18-19, and one solitary game last year and, and the injuries just the injury bug just won't go away for this guy and you just want to see him you know get get 10 games in a row in and let's see what he can do and and then you know the next five six games let's see if he can improve a little bit or the next 10 games i don't know if there's a spot and and a part of me tells me that there isn't but the alternative is you expose him to waivers and you send him down to the phantoms and maybe that's what's going to end up happening. Um, and he's going to, you know, he's going to have to work his way up that depth chart on uh, in Lehigh Valley um, and work his way back from that injury. But 
hopefully he, uh, I mean, if he can come back from this, um, you know, two ACL tears in the same knee, that would be pretty incredible uh, for him to come back and, and make something of himself here. And I really do want him to, I, I, I always smile when I see the, the, the clip of him and it was with uh, Ramuski in the Quebec league and he got into a fight with somebody and he just pummeled this poor kid. The kid drops <laughs> to the ground. He was still swinging. The kid drops to the ground and Sam Warren picks him up and he's like ready to, <laughs> yeah. and he just puts his hands down and he's like, you know what? I got nothing more to prove. Like I, I just picked you up off the ground with, you know, one hand practically and you totally bit off more than you could chew kid. And, and I certainly hope that he uh, hasn't bitten off more than he could chew. I hope he comes back um, just for his sake. You know, how good is he going to be? You know, probably not much of an NHL player, but I really want the most for him and the best for him. I, I like him. I still like him. I don't care. <laughs> Dan still like Sam Moran. Yeah, I love Sam Moran. It's the same thing. He's just he seems like such a nice kid and you just root for him. And it's he was, you know, Manny mentioned the injuries, but he before that one knee injury after the butterfly effect, he played 76 games the first season with the Phantoms and 74 the next season. So it's not like he was an injury prone guy like Nolan Patrick was injury prone when he came to the Flyers organization. But Sam Moran wasn't really injury prone. And it was really just this one knee injury has just kind of set him in this downward spiral that he just can't seem to recover from. Yeah, Shame. too, now. Yeah. Yeah, that's got to be tough, man. If you, if you can, I mean, coming back once, I imagine you have that mindset like, all right, I'll come back from this and I'm ready to go. Having it happen twice, I can't imagine how demoralizing that is. Like, like you were ready. You were ready. You came back from it. This is not going to happen again in the same leg. And it did. And for him to come right back out and say, I'm not giving up on my career, I'm going to come back, I'm going to do this again, I think that shows a, a lot of what kind of guy uh, Sam Moran is. He, he's a fighter. He's never going to back down. I, I hope I hope, I, I hope, hope there's a spot for him, if not on the flyers, uh, somewhere else. He does deserve a shot. It's a damn shame what happened to him. Uh, you know, he was a... He went in the first round. I imagine if he didn't go to the Flyers where he did, he would have probably gone later in the first round somewhere. You know, I hope hope the best for the kid. It's a damn shame what happened. Um, I did want to ask you guys before we wrapped up before we wrap up here because I think we're over an hour and a half. We did leave two defensemen off the show in Ronnie Atard. I believe they took in the third round last year and Jack St. Evany, not as high on those guys, guys. I am not. No. I mean, they might, they might've cracked another organization's top 20 list, but uh, not this one. And Sam Ad- or Ronnie Adder is the same thing as Kalamuk. He was drafted as an overager. So he was drafted as a 20 year old, I believe drafted as a 19 or 20 year old. And uh, he just had a so-so first season in college, Western Michigan, same season, same college as Wade Allison. He's a big guy with a big slap shot, but just didn't do enough to crack this list, in my opinion. And uh, Jack St. Ivany is a guy who, you know, scored one goal in 32 games as a sophomore in college. Uh, You know, he's might be, might be a solid player, but um, just for me, just didn't do enough to crack this list of, of flyers defensemen prospects okay fair enough 
Manny, any thoughts there? Uh, I've heard that some people have a little bit more hopes for uh, Ronnie Adderd, but um, yeah, Jack St. Ivany, I think, has com- kind of fallen off, and I think uh, I don't think that they're going to be uh, holding on to him, you know, in the near future or even or even past that. So we'll see okay. what happens. Definitely, you know what? Listen, the cupboard's full on defense, and they got a little bit of everything already. Um, you know what? I, as Dan said, those guys don't hold the candle to uh, the guys that we discussed earlier in the program, for sure. Okay. Just wanted to get your quick thoughts there. I noticed that we left them off, so I figured I'd ask real quick. We're uh, coming to the end of the episode, guys. I think we beat the first one by about almost 20 minutes. Do you guys have anything uh, you want to plug out there before we wrap up? So, uh, yeah, this is Dan. So, uh, yeah, I mean, folks can follow me on Twitter at DSilver88, the 88s for Eric Lindros. And, uh, and yeah, so since the last show, I was able to put together my top 20 Flyers prospect list. It's a labor of love, and I appreciate everyone to go check it out. It's, uh, it's over at phillyisflyer.net. We've rolled out a new website. It used to be .com, but now it's phillyisflyer.net, and you can check out that Flyers top 20 prospects piece. Really nice piece. I was over checking out that site. Good site. You guys did good work over there at Philly's Flyer. Uh, Manny, anything you want to plug before we wrap up? Uh, Yeah, feel free to leave any comments or follows at Manny, M-A-N-N-Y, Benavidez, B-E-N-E-V-I-D-E-S. Jib, you pronounced it right both times I've been on your show, man. I'm impressed. I've gotten it butchered so many times, man. I'm used to everything. But uh, yeah, man, two for two. Just nailed it it's this it's um, the swedish and finnish names i i struggle with the augbergs or whatever the hell it was <laughs> <laughs> and uh yeah definitely uh catch my articles on uh, brotherlypuck.com um i'm working on uh one it's kind of taking me a little bit longer i'm, I'm i think i'm about three thousand words in already and i'm barely scratched the surface so um it's about the you know the effect of covid19 on the nhl and going forward cba uh, escrow, you name it, the whole nine yards, little KHL sprinkled in there. And, uh, yeah, got to write something about hockey. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. Manny does great work over there. Brotherly puck. Uh, you guys recording on brotherly pod this week? Uh, I'm waiting to hear back from, uh, you know, from a special guest. Uh, hopefully we can get, uh, that special guest on um and we definitely would do some recording soon bpw radio with uh, steve appleman and dan the flyer fan and myself yep as i mentioned before these guys both have great shows uh getting bullied with with uh dan and i'm sorry why can't i remember your Uh, co-host name right now mark giannone i'm sorry mark uh and and manny of course with with dan and and steve like you mentioned uh it's going to do it for us guys we're going to wrap up uh, hopefully we'll we'll talk again soon. We have goalies to cover still. Um, everybody stay safe. Wash your hands. Don't go outside. And wear your masks. And we'll be back soon. Stay safe, boys.